0: I hope everyone is keeping well wherever you are and whatever you're up to. And welcome to our very first monthly QA session. And just a quick note on how these work. So, there's a form in the membership hub that you're a part of that you can submit questions through, or you can add them to our Facebook group, you can email them to me through the support links on the hub, you can DM me on social media, any type of way uh, to get in touch and to get your I um, answered in this capacity. And then if you don't want the partai uh, to be made into the video that we're going to be putting up each month, um, then you can let me know, we can have that wānanga, uh, kind of one-on-one. Kopai? One other thing I wanted to note with these monthly Q&A sessions is that it's not a Ask me a question and I'll give you all the answers. Like, I'll give you my perspective and my interpretation of whatever the thing is that you're asking about. Um, But this the intention of this is to provoke conversation and provoke thought as well. So, if you hear something that you agree with or disagree with, awesome. Um, wānanga with that and share your whakāro too. Um, Please don't take anything I say as concrete or as gospel, um, but add it to your kete, um, interrogate it, wānanga. If you disagree with it, I'd love to hear that um, in your perspective and so that we can develop a more robust understanding of the Kaipapa, of the question, of the larger issue, of ourselves and all of that good stuff. Goodbye. All right, let's finally get into it. How would you approach the engaging of tauiwi learners and their whanau in spaces of kaupapa Māori? Or put differently, how might we open up their vision of te ao Māori? Or there's another rephrasing of that question. Is it to our collective advantage as Māori to actively seek the empowerment of tauiwi voices within the ongoing discussion of what it means to develop a sense of belonging to Aotearoa New Zealand. This might be a roundabout way of answering the question, (laughs) we're all familiar with story time. The first thing that comes to mind, and this might lead us on a roundabout way to hopefully answering the question, (laughs) is that everyone has whakapapa. All of us and our tupuna are indigenous somewhere. We're very fortunate as Maori to value these and to practice these, to have karakia uh, waiata, moteatea, oriori, puraka, traditions, customs, kawa, tikanga and so many other things in art forms and for uh, Kairo and tamoko uh, to express that, to preserve it, to share it, to uh, communicate with each other and with the world uh, how important and valuable whakapapa is to us. And this links into another part I about is it okay for Pākehā or non-Māori to recite a pepeha. And one of the things I struggle with about teaching Pākehā or non-Māori, anyone who doesn't have whakapapa Māori uh, or Māori toto, Māori blood running through their veins, um, to do their pepeha as Māori do, is because there's a whole different value system at play. They're not just... Uh, the landmarks that we connect to Um, but our whole world view as Maori values those things and values those connections and I know Pākehā is a broad term and you could break it down to like Irish, Scottish, English, French and that kind of thing but generally speaking and I hate generalizing (laughs) so please come at me in the comments or I can use my mum's whānau, uh, my pākehā papa as an example with this, throw them under the bus. Um, they don't value those whakapapa connections in the same way that Māori do. We're going to answer that second question about doing pepeha first and hopefully that flows onto the first question. Rather than try to copy recite pepeha how Māori recite their pepeha and their connections to these places and spaces and to people as well. There have been some variations of reciting pepeha by people who don't have whakapapa Māori that I've really enjoyed and they speak about it more in terms of like say if they grew up in Wellington that they grew up at the foot of the hills or the maunga there. And then they talk about the waterways that they frequented or that they visited during summer holidays with their whanau. And that sits more toe with me, if that makes sense. Like I'm more at peace with that. Like they acknowledge that their connection isn't the same as what Maori or indigenous people have to the land. and There is a connection there, but it's not the same because the worldview they come from doesn't value that. And so while they can cultivate them for themselves as the individual and for them as their whānau or wider collective, it's just an understanding that that connection is different. Because as far as I'm aware, they don't follow a line of whakapapa directly to that moment, or directly to that waterway that they've grown up with. So in terms of non-Maori reciting pepeha, I don't believe that they should do it the way that Māori do it, um, but make a variation for it and change some of the kupu to describe the difference in that kind of connection. So even though they feel like home in these spaces, their connection is different, and so it should be described differently as well. But keen to hear your whakaaroa on that. Um, And that brings us back around to the first pātai, with the three variations of it. I think that would be a good place to start would be to encourage people to think, well, what is your connection to the place or to the environment that you grew up in or that you spend a lot of time in? And to get them to think about different connections they have to place and space and then to other people as well. I think that would be an awesome place to start because that allows insight into that Maori worldview of whakapapa and of connections and how understanding whakapapa allows us to see how we connect to each other and how we connect to place and space as well. And it doesn't necessarily only have to be the natural environment outside, like out uh, on whenua or nangahere out at sea or at the beach, um, it could be any environment, like it could be in the classroom, like what's your connection to this place, what is this environment communicating to you, And it's starting with those familiar examples um, that they have. What kind of thoughts is this place provoking for me? Uh, What kind of dreams or aspirations can I dream in this space? Is it a limiting environment or is it amplifying how I view myself and view the world? Is it a safe place? What's my connection to it? What other connections could be going on? What affects the state of this environment? How do I contribute to it or how do I diminish whatever's happening here. And then another environment could be at home or even different rooms within the home. One example I lean to quite often is about the bedroom and how nowadays it's like an everything room where we watch movies, we do mahi, we eat, we do our online shopping, Netflix, all these things. (laughs) Like everything but sleep. Everything like the bed's just there, and sleep just happens as an unfortunate byproduct because we have no energy at the end of the day. I <laughs> mean, um, so that's become our relationship to that space or to that environment. And so, one of the things I've done is restricted devices in the bedroom so that when I go in there, my brain doesn't have to think, Oh, is Hana gonna? do mahi, does she want to stay up, does she want to do this, do I need to release the hormones and get the body ready to eat, and process and digest kai, or are we going to sleep. So that looks like no laptop in there, um, don't do any mahi in the bedroom, like it's strictly just to sleep, to wake up or to get dressed and do that kind of thing. It's kind of resetting the parameters of my relationship to those different environments that I frequent. Um, that I operate in as well. So I can think the kind of thoughts and feel the kind of feelings as much as possible and um, that I want in each of those different spaces. like Bedroom, yeah, cool. We're going there to sleep, to rest, to recover, um, to you know reconnect with myself and do that kind of thing. Um, other spaces in the house, this room that I'm in now, there's nothing on the walls, it's not very inspiring. This is supposed to be my office space and I'm working on kitting it out to be conducive to the kind of thoughts that i want to have while i'm in the space while i'm working like i want to be able to focus well i want there to be minimal distractions i want to be inspired by different quotes and different people who i look up to and that kind of thing and so i think that would be a good entry level um, to start at because it's something that's already familiar these are spaces that we already go into or maybe COVID and zoom has affected like the classroom and how we operate in there um, but you know at home those different spaces um, is something that we can already relate to and then starting off with unpacking whakapapa what that means to them and then building from there and you can add real the language, the waiata, um, tikanga, kawa, customs and other things onto it from there but i think that is the foundation of everything. Papa is everything. <laughs> I'm keen to hear your whakaaro. Those are just mine. And those are the I that have come through over the last month and a bit. And so I hope you enjoyed it and has got you thinking about other I you you'd like to hear or or about um, before our next Q&A in November, which I'm really looking forward to and will be working on my skills at uh, answering Part time, more succinctly as well. Um, but welcome any feedback, any feedback, and hope you keep safe. And that you're doing the things that are right for you um, to give you whatever it is that you might need during this time. Hei kona, tefano, mo'ona.